while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if it is true that the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ offers the forgiveness of our sins that when received can change us and reunite us with God, if that is true, that changes everything. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. You're creating God in the image you want Him to be. He's not the God in your life. You are. And this sneaks into our society because we do quote actual verses like those found in Psalm 37. At least parts of them will say this, God gives us the desires of our heart. We don't quote it in context or the whole verse and so we don't say the part that says when we commit our ways to the Lord, which simply means if I'm living my life according to his will, he'll let me live his will. That's logical, right? He's God. He wants us to live his will. So if I'm living my life according to his will, if I'm committing my ways to him, he gives me the desires of my heart because my desires are what? His desires. But it sneaks in. I was driving yesterday and I was listening to K-Love, this nationally syndicated, great Christian radio program. But they were talking. And a lot of times in the radio, I feel like my daughter who sometimes I turn on the radio and she says, they talk too much. And, and so they were talking and, and I guess they were talking about your dreams and your desires. And I, I heard this well-meaning lady say, I always dreamed of going to Paris and, and then I had children and, and so I assumed I could never go, but I hear what you're saying and I believe God gave me that dream, so I've got to go to Paris. I'm going to keep pursuing that dream because God desires me to go there. He wouldn't have given it to me if he didn't desire me to go there. No. Nothing wrong with Paris. I love it. I've been many, many, many times. But listen, be careful about assuming every desire you have is a desire given by God. If you're the author of who God is, what does that make you? Are you in God's story or is he in your story? See, all of creation is telling us God's story. And his desire is that your life as his creature, as the created one, that your life intersect his story. And he wants you to become a part of his story. But he's not in the business of making it all about you. It's not about you. We want to be God. The truth is, one of the saddest verses in the Bible is when it says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. But we're made to worship. So in effort to fulfill the very reason that we're made, we find ourselves worshiping the wrong things. And you and I do that too. And that's a distorted view of God. So I would just ask you, maybe it's, it's time to press the pause button and ask, how do you view God? Everybody has an image of God. Even atheists have an image of God. They do because they've 
created in their mind who they think God is. And then they say to themselves in a schizophrenic kind of way, oh, I don't believe in that. (laughs) Doesn't matter how you perceive him. I need you to know today, there's not a white church God, there's not a black church God, there's not a Pentecostal or charismatic God, there's not a Calvinistic God. There's one true God. He revealed himself to us in scripture. He's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't like it when we make images of him. He doesn't want us to put others before him. There's one God, and you're not God. So what happened in this story? Verse 13. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, they brought oxen and garlands to the gates, and they wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowd. Crazy. So now it's just not the people, but the leaders of this false religion say, yeah, we got to get in on this. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their garments and they rushed out into the crowd crying out. Now that's the response you should have when people give you false praise. That's not what Herod of Tempus did in Acts chapter 12. Remember, he came out in his robe and they said it was glowing like God. They said, hey, it's the voice of a God, not of a man. And Herod was just bringing it in. Yeah. Yeah. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. I don't know about you, but the way I read that, I don't think God wants you to take his role. I don't think he likes it when you think you're God. I think he takes it pretty seriously. And so Paul and Barnabas, instead of making the most of this moment for their personal gain, which they could have done. I mean, on a bad day, Paul could have turned to Barney and said, hey, buddy, I think we struck gold. Let's just hang hang out here. They were stoning us over there. Let's just hang out here. We got it made. But no. They did everything they could to stop the nonsense. I I would have to tell you, one of the dangers, even physically in a setting like this, is we we put spiritual leaders up on platforms. And we forget who they are. And we get let down. And, And so from the side of spiritual leaders, that's one of the tactics the enemy uses most. I don't think for most preachers, like me, so I'm I'm talking to me, not to you. I don't think for most of us there has to be immorality or or something unethical because we we get so eat up on pride and good night social media has made this even worse. We get so eat up with pride that we take the focus off of God and put it on us. And I love what Jim Cimbala said. If you're full of the devil, he can be cast out. But if you're full of yourself, well, that's another story. So what would you have done? Look at what Paul says in verse 15. Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you. It's another area I like a little different translation. Because literally it says, we are men just like you. When when we make other people into the gods in our life with little G's, we're forgetting that they're just like us. 
We're forgetting that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're forgetting that they put their pants or their skirt on just like we do. So in case you need to be reminded today, I'm a man just like you. I sin just like you. I have temptations just like you. By God's grace, Kimberly and I have been married 26 years. And we have good days and we have mm, some tough days just like you. Paul says, we're just like you. We get into trouble when we forget or we fail to recognize that our human leaders are just like us. So how do we fight that urge? Well, we do what Paul goes on to say in that passage of Scripture. Did you notice what he said? We're just like you. We bring you good news. You should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in heaven. So I'm just like you. Stop worshiping me. That's dumb. That's worthless. That's vain. No, worship the one who made all the stuff. Stop worshiping the creation. Worship the creator. He sees the moment when he was being idolized. He reminded us that the only way to deal with idol worship is repentance. And so in this message that Paul gives, even though he doesn't explicitly call the name of Jesus and he doesn't do as he had done in the previous city and describe the truth of the gospel, he gives us that biblical principle that leads to salvation. It's repentance. It's when you've been going one direction. Hey, I, I like this stuff. I, I think this is God. I think this is worthwhile. I think this is where I should put my attention. And then you turn and you give all your focus in a different direction. And instead of looking at the creation you're looking up at the creator and you're saying i'm going to follow you see anything in your life that's distracting you from the one true god must be destroyed because there is one god and you're not god it's all about him it's, it's not about us it's all about him. So we asked the question, did Paul's challenge help? <laughs> Look at verse 16. He's continuing. Man, he's passionate. There's some amens maybe. In, in past generations, he allowed the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains in heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. So he's reminding us here in the book of Acts what he will then again teach us in the book of Romans, that, that question that you have, what about those people that don't hear about Jesus? God has not left us without a witness to himself. God has given us a way to look to him. He has given us the opportunity to see him. But notice what happens in verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and they dragged him out of the city supposing that he was dead. And here you have biblical truth. Not the health and wealth prosperity nonsense that you might hear if you turn on some television sets. You hear the reality that Paul honored God. He did what was right. And he was stoned and left for dead. The Bible doesn't teach us that if we do what is right, everything will be all right. In fact, the Bible teaches that if you do it the Jesus way, you may experience what Jesus experienced. 
You'll walk through hardship. You'll walk through persecution. There will be people that reject you. There will be people who do not receive the message. But regardless, we are to be obedient and leave the consequences to him. Here's a crazy side note. Do you see who stoned him? Paul and Barnabas were in Lystra. But he said the people who were poisoning others in Antioch came a hundred miles. They tracked him down just to cause more trouble. That's those miserable people we're talking about. I've seen that happen in ministry by God's grace. By God's grace, not to me. But I've had pastor friends who get in a difficult situation in a church. They end up leaving that church. And next thing you know, someone from that church has tracked them down and trying to ruin their name in another place. That's straight out of the pit. That crowd was crazy. Claude McDonald said, sometimes a majority simply means all the fools are on one side. You're going to have people that don't leave you alone. Press on anyway. It says in verse 20 that when the disciples gathered around, remember how we left him. He was left for dead. They assumed that their job was finished. They stoned him. Do you understand that? It's not he put what he's supposed to put in the offering plate and he drove a new car home. No, he did what God told him to do and they stoned him and then they left him because they assumed he was dead. They had done their job. But the disciples gathered around him and he rose up. He rose up and entered the city. What city? The same city. (laughs) I bet that turned some heads. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. So what are they saying? Hey, now that we've made our way through the journey, let's go back and check on all those other places where we were. And what did they do? Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. What did they do? They got up and they got after that's what every Christ follower must do. Why? Because we got a job to do. They weren't just on a tour. This wasn't their summer vacation. Paul said, man, we have got to strengthen the disciples and encourage them. We have got to encourage them to keep going in their faith. We've got to remind them that the kingdom of God doesn't come except through tribulation. Next time you encounter someone, whether it's the person you're looking at in the mirror or someone else in your life, next time you encounter someone that says, I don't know if I can believe in God, all these bad things in the the world, I'm going through such a tough time, you look at them and you tell them that's exactly when you need to trust in God because you can't enter the kingdom of God without going through tribulation. Let me just wrap this up and then pray with you. I want you to understand something. You are not God. You are not God, but God's power is available to you. I'm just telling you, the more I study scripture, I, I feel compelled to, to tell you, I, I, don't, I don't think what these New Testament apostles experience have to be limited to that day. The healing power that Paul demonstrated with that lame man 
It's available to you, and it may be the healing power for our marriage. It may be the healing power in your vocation. It may be the healing power in some other relationship. It may just be the healing power in your emotions. It may be physical healing power, but the power of God is available to you today. You're not God, but you do have access to his power. And you're not God, but you can point people to God. See, Paul and Barnabas, they had a simple commitment. Whatever it takes, they were, they were pointing people to Jesus. We say that's our mission as our church, to, to do whatever it takes, wherever we are, to shine with the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. We want to love God so passionately and love others intentionally that they see we're constantly pointing to him. You can do that. You're not God, but you can point others to Jesus. You're not God, but by God's grace and with his help, you can persevere with God. See, Paul would go on throughout this New Testament to tell us time and time again, I kept fighting the fight. I kept running the race. I kept keeping the faith. And then he would tell us to press on, to persevere, to stay at it. This idea of stick to of keeping on, keeping in, it is, it is core to our faith. You will get knocked down. You will have hard times. You will face difficulties. But get up and get after it with God's grace. And then the last thing I see in this passage is that you are not God. But you can know God personally. You can know him personally. See, what we saw in those people at Lystra was this hungering, this thirsting to worship. Why? Because you were created with that desire. And here's the best news you can ever hear. You don't have to live your life searching. You can find the one you're looking for. You can know God personally. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now... We continue with our message. College students were being interviewed about their view of God. What was God like? And one of them said, I wish, I wish God would just take a selfie and show us. I wish I'd have been there at that interview. Because my response would be simple. He did. Colossians 1.15 says, He, 
Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross you know what jesus did jesus made the unseeable seeable jesus made the unknowable knowable jesus made the untouchable touchable Hebrews 1 puts it this way. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Literally, it says he stands on the the earth. There is a God. You're not God. But he's got this. You just got to decide whether or not you know him. Not some wrapping of him, maybe even with Jesus printed on the wrapper. But do you know the God of the Bible? You can. You can know him today. And if you do know him, you've got another question you have to ask. Am I effectively representing him? in this world so that I can point others to him. Oh, friend, it won't be easy. I can promise you that. Why would we think it would be? It wasn't for these heroes. My dad was in ICU, and one night a little nurse walked in, and I was frustrated when I saw her. To be honest, I'm just exposing myself to you. She was about 65 years old. Actually, she later told me she was. She was about five foot five, and she was tiny. My dad is still over six feet, and he needed somebody to do everything for him. I was preparing to leave him for the night, and I thought, oh, Lord. And then she walked in, and she said, Mr. Purvis. I said, well, he probably can't respond to you. She said, that's all right. I'm a Marine, too. I want you to know I've got him. I'm going to take care of him tonight. You think he needs a shave? Yes, ma'am, whatever you think. You just go ahead and do it. (laughs) I got to know Marianne over the next couple days. She was by far the best nurse I had encountered. Every doctor in the hospital said if they got sick, they wanted Marianne to take care of them. But me and the boys were sitting around the bed one of those days, and Marianne came in, and she said, I remember when I was at Paris Island. Now, Paris Island, Paris Island's a tough place. It's where the Marines go to be trained, right? You got to survive maybe three months of, I mean, it's tough. She says, I remember when I was there. They told you if a mosquito landed on your face, you don't swat at it because that's government property because you're on government land. If you kill a mosquito, you got to get out the shovel and bury him six feet under. (laughs) Then we kind of laughed like you did, and she said, I'm serious. We had to do that. I'm like, yes, (laughs) ma'am. 
I want to tell you something. This Christian journey is going to be challenging. You're going to have some tough times. You're not going to think you're going to make it through. But since you're not God, and you have a God that cares for you, you care. Christ followers, you get up, you go back after him, you live for his glory. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.